at what we found It's a big sound in a small town Far from the bright lights They're making music every night Hear what is all around It's a big sound in a small town It's a big sound in a small town It's a big sound in a small town Welcome to season four of Big Sound Small Town. I'm your host, Sandy Carlton. Join me as musicians tell their stories about how they became musicians and the stories along the way. Well, the Amtrak Crescent is a northbound train. When you can't afford to stay no more in New Orleans So I bought the cheapest ticket And I carried my clothes And the blood beneath my eyes From a broken nose Cause when life goes wrong It just goes on and on When life goes wrong The train rolls on Well there ain't no ham like the bird Into Georgia in the Eastern time. And I dare to eat a peach and take it off my mind. That when life goes wrong, it just goes on and on. When life goes wrong, it just drags on. Somewhere between right and wrong, somehow I managed to keep moving on. Searching At a stop in Charlotte, found a hog leg joint. It seemed like forever till we reached high point. Now, Lynch burned the devil as a ghost filled rail. If you listen, you can hear the engineer's wife wail. That when life goes wrong, it just goes on and on. When life goes wrong, it just drags on. Between right and 
searching for any place but where I am in a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth chance. Mm, you know, it used to be pretty on the eastern shore. Now it's more New York down to Baltimore. It takes so much effort just to move one train. Why does everything around me have to look the same? Like when life goes wrong, it just goes on and on. When life goes wrong, it just drags on. When life goes wrong, it just drags on and on and on and on and on. I am Scott Miller. I write songs and sing them, and I raise cows and sell them. That's great. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great introduction. There you go. Um, one of them I'm good at. <laughs> I don't know which one. Well, I can't speak for the cattle part, so I'm going to tell you that uh, you're good at the music part well, and the songwriting it. part. So you played a show last night, actually. Asheville at the uh, Gray Eagle. And these are some of my first indoor shows. And how did that go? It was fine. They're they're uh, careful, uh, you know, about who they let in, uh, whether and, I, and I'm, that's good. Yeah, it is. And um, there's, I'm not finding huge crowds, but uh, they're buying merch. Well, I mean, I mean, that's the big <laughs> part know? anyway. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the, the lifeblood of it any is. artist at this it point. Is. Technically, I mean, people do not realize the state of record sales. I don't think a lot of times these right. days, other than artists. I mean. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, merch is huge. Yeah, you're. I feel like a professional koozie salesman yeah, or something at, at some yeah. point, but sure, but uh, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it supports your music addiction, I guess. Right. You know, so well, yeah. the cows do, and then the, then the music will support the cow addiction, and there you go, goes around and around. So, um, how many shows are you out for this time? I'm just doing weekends, so I mean, I'm I'm. Been doing it every weekend all September, October. Uh, go to Texas in November. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I quit about Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then I do a, a three-night thing at the Down Home in Johnson City. I'm that's like, familiar that's with like that your, place. That's like your home place, right? Yeah, that's a, that's wonderful. It it, is. You would never believe there'd be such a music venue in the middle of Johnson City, Tennessee, but it's there. And uh, I do three nights there, and that wraps up the year. All these solo are you taking people with I'm you? I'm doing, um, well, Bren Davies is a yes. bass player has been with me for a while, and right. she, you can Google her and find out yeah, how I'm, awesome she is. I do. I know, I know yeah. all about her. Yeah. Um, she's doing a couple of those. And, and then the down home, those three shows, I always do do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'll do the Thursday solo. I'll do Friday just with Bren and then the band on Saturday. On Saturday. Yeah. Oh, that's too cool. Mix it up. Yeah, that's really cool. 
So take all the money I made on Thursday, Friday, and spend <laughs> yeah, it on the band, the band. <laughs> pay the band, <laughs> and go home for Christmas. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I guess that's more of an electric show too, is it not? Yeah, yeah it can yeah, be. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, I guess that's a makeup on the spot. What happens? <laughs> that's a small room, you know. Yeah, that's it like is a small room. Yeah, uh, but it's 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 like one of my some of my favorite venues are like that that are wide and shallow, and those are my. Those are the favorite rooms to play. There was a place in Dayton, Ohio, Canal Street Tavern that was kind of like that. Way. Yeah, number of venues. And those are the kind of venues, too, that you can have 50 people and the room looks full, and oh, you yeah. can have 150 people, and it's a fine show. You know, that, and that's, I think, it's always to better to have a full room, whether it's small than it is yeah, a large I know. place with half full I guess well I'm, uh, and I'll quote Steve Martin uh, and let's get small where he goes I could do this act alone <laughs> I often do <laughs> that's funny that's funny so um, I, is it harder doing it for you on weekends um, as a as a performer I mean well, I guess you've done it so long it's not like you have to uh, I mean, I guess it's like what I do on weekends. I mean, it's uh, you don't forget the stuff from all the years. I, I guess. I mean, I mean, is yeah. it hard to switch from being a farmer to a? It's um, you know, performer? it used to be back when I was popular. Yeah. You know, I would go out for two or three weeks and come home for a week. Right. I did. And bouncing out for just a couple of shows and going home was actually harder because it was good when you get on the road. Get you, you know, 24 hours in where you're not worried about what bills are in the mailbox or right. what's going on. And there's a groove to it, right. a rhythm to it, like any other job, you yeah. know, when you're on the road. And coming and going, it's it's harder, but I worry about the farm. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering if that was... Uh... Yeah. The farm is cut. Because there's like um, certain times of the year that I can't tour. Right. So like January, February, first half of March, I'm calving and feeding. So no shows. And then about the middle of May to the middle of June takes me about those four weeks to get my hay up. Okay. So no shows. Yeah. Okay. So let's get us to the farm life. I mean, I yeah. mean I, I, obviously the farm has always been there, but it has not always been there for you. Right. So. so yeah. I left when I was 18 in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Get off that farm <laughs> yeah, I was as fast ready to as go. I can get out of there. So. so so take us from the farm back to the farm, right? You know, I mean, I mean. Well, uh, when I, when I turned eighteen, this, my dad did this, I think, with all the kids. When I turned eighteen, he gave me a birthday card for a one year old. And he goes, "You get it?" Yeah, and I'm I like, got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going. Yeah, yeah, I'm on my own. Yep, yeah, yeah, I see it. <laughs> and so, uh, but I ended up getting into a good college. Went to William and Mary. Paid for that, and but that was when college was cheap. Right, yeah. You know, and yeah. it's in-state. And it's not a private school. It's an in-state. Yeah. Uh, you know, I paid $2,500 a year. So yeah, ten grand yeah. for four years at that college. That's great. I mean, so but you can't do it now. No, I don't know what they pay now. No, no, you can't. So, uh, and my, my senior year, I majored in, uh, oh, this is embarrassing, Russian and Soviet studies. <laughs> and... Uh, was such a naive farm boy, I didn't realize what that program was. And it was just a pipeline for the NSA. Yeah, I, I'm so, sure it is. And because, you know, Williamsburg's not that far right. from D.C., and that's that's what it was. Did you consider doing that? 
No, and okay. it took me a while to. I mean, I enjoyed the language so much, and I enjoyed the literature so much. Oh, well, literature is. Great. Oh man, no those doubt. guys invented the short sure, story. They did, and, uh, and and I just love loved the history because what the program was was you studied the history you studied the language you studied the government and and it was a program for the nsa right. and that's where there was only like 12 of us in the program I'm sure there was yeah and and i remember my junior year i came back to college and there was a note on my door it said call agent brown <laughs> and i was like okay so i called this these two agents come over in their suits and everything and they come in my room and they sit down and what they're doing is doing background checks uh-huh. On the other students in the program, and they would be like, "So, oh, oh so, so they weren't checking you out. They were che- no. Oh. They're like, so, um, how do you know Terry? Right. Well, uh, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. You ever see Terry with somebody, and you're like, hmm, now why is she with that person? <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Right. So because. The, in the program, well, and also the, the Berlin Wall fell. Well, it's true. And everything it changed in 89, and there I was graduating, and the, everything I learned was sort of null and void. Right. So I had enough credits I could go back and get a, a history major. So I did that and got a teaching certificate and got out of there. And then, of course, I wasn't, my parents were Depression era. Uh, and as any parent, they want you to find a job and be right. secure. And a kid going into the music business was not. Were you playing already at this point? I was. I had been writing songs since I was a young. And, and you could already play before you went off to college. It's yeah. not something you discovered in college. No, no. Actually, my, my older brother uh, went off to college and came back playing. Yeah, I mean, that happens. You know? And I was like, yeah. hey, hey, show me how to do that. Show <laughs> right. me that. And he was like. Here, read this. Read these chord charts and go away. Leave me alone. <laughs> and uh, there was a Reader's Digest compilation book called Songs of the Sixties. Oh, you know, yeah. And um, and I just started going through that book and playing what I knew. And uh, I'm not a great I'm not a great musician or guitar player. I consider myself more of a songwriter. But oh, you are you are definitely a songwriter. Well, but appreciate I, I've that. seen you playing guitar, man. You- you tread. Well, it's all right. I mean, I saw you. I, I've seen you playing with it in, in, your, in the rock and roll. <laughs> I enjoy uh, it. I enjoy time, it. You know, I'm good enough. In, in fact, there, 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 there's a YouTube video uh, that I really like that that, that you're on from uh, V-Roy Days. Yeah. So. Yeah, I those were good times. So, so, so you but get anyway. out of college and did you go, did you teach actually when you got No, out? no. Here's the funny part about this is that. Of course, like any songwriter, I went through, uh, you know, I went through Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger to yeah. whatever. I, I did the, the progression right. like you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, of course, there, there was John Prine. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm going to be a mailman like John Prine yeah. and walk around and write songs. These mailmen get benefits and yeah. they got they get a good pay. I spent 37 years doing that. Did you really? I did. You're Oh, <laughs> man. And well, you can't what? get that job. And guess what? I rode around writing songs. Did you really? Yeah, I, I did. I swear to you. Uh, all around my house, it would be, um, we'd have things to leave notices on, and there'd be like yeah. three or four verses, and I'd bring them home and lay them around. Oh, man. That's, <laughs> that was just my dream job. You know, but I didn't realize how hard it was to get a job at the post office. Just kind of looked a lot of what. Yeah. Time. Well, I sent off. 
I was paid money and sent off for a book on how to take the, you know, for the the test. test. And of course, I I wasn't in the service, so I didn't get those extra points and realized that they were still drawn from a list from a test five years ago. Oh, yeah. So I went into the the, uh, guidance office at college and I was like, hey, I need, how do I become a postman? And there was this young woman in there who was just starting working. She goes, excuse me. She was, you know, you just spent four years. Right. Why uh, do you want do, to do come that? In and, come here. Yeah. Sit down. And I, I don't know this woman's name. I don't know if I'd <laughs> recognize her. But we sat down and talked. And she's like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I, I want to I write songs and play songs. She goes, well, then you need to do that. You well, know? That is good advice. It, I mean, was great, it was great advice. And it absolutely focused me like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I moved to Knoxville. So you just up and moved to Knoxville. Well, yeah. I, my girlfriend at the time started grad school there. And I, I thought about Austin. I thought about Seattle. Right. At that time, I, I, I like researching the National Geographic, sure. yeah. uh, different music towns. And, well, she was there. Knoxville ended up being perfect. Knoxville's a good music town. An I mean, awesome music town. It's three hours from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, to Atlanta, to, to, to Louisville, Lexington, to Nashville. It's just and, there. And, and particularly now that all the construction is just about through. I mean, probably oh, yeah, well, most of the time you were there, it was under construction. Malfunction under Junction construction. is what they called it. <laughs> Yeah. Malfunction Junction. Yeah. And East Tennessee, you know, well, that was the first place I ever met Baptists. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you know, because <laughs> I mean, we're, we're all Methodist and Presbyterian uh, in the Shenandoah Valley, right? Yeah. Or uh, a friend of mine, uh, Steve Tuttle's a writer, and he, he used to write for Newsweek, but he, he always says, uh, we're diverse in, in uh, the Shenandoah Valley. We have some... We have a Presbyterian church is made of wood, and some Presbyterian church is made of stone. <laughs> well, I, I grew up in a Presbyterian church, and, um, you know, I can recite a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I can pray a long time, and maybe we'll get that much. The sermon suits me just fine. Yeah, you know? yeah. And forgive your debtors in the oh, Lord's yeah. Prayer, man. That's <laughs> yeah, always yeah, like yeah. the trespassers. Now, we shoot trespassers. We don't we don't forgive trespassers. That's true. We forgive our debtors. So uh, that's so that was a, it was a shock, but but I found East Tennessee to be wonderful and um, uh, its own thing. I mean, it's it's you know it used to be its own state, yeah. the state of Franklin, yeah, state of Franklin, and um, uh, the people there were. Well, here here like here's a story. They're so practical. Okay, they're so like I, I collect typewriters, old typewriters. And I had the, I started with, my great grandfather had a typewriter. He was a doctor in a small town called Clifton Forge in Virginia. And he used it to type um, labels for uh, medicine. Oh, okay. And, and so it was, it's like a 1900 Underwood. And um, it fell on the move and broke a piece. And so um, a friend of mine was like, there's an old guy out, you know, in Clinton, north of town who fixes typewriters. So I lugged this heavy thing out there and left it for a week or two and went back to get it. And uh, this old guy's sitting on the front porch. He's like smoking a cigarette, but he's got like a uh, an oxygen tube coming out the door. <laughs> and he's he's up there and he's like, yeah, bye, bye. And I was like, yeah, I came to pick up my typewriter. He goes, oh, that old thing. He goes, I, I didn't fix that. You don't need that thing. He goes, I got an, a little electric in here. I'll sell you for $20. It'll work better than that. And I was like, well... It, you like know, it has type. sentimental values. My great grandfather, and he goes, "Son, 
we don't get our ice from the creek anymore. <laughs> and that to me sums up East Tennessee. So did you get the electric typewriter? No, no. I took my broken typewriter and found somebody, somebody else, to, else fix to fix it. it. But he was like, you're wasting your time. And that's that's East Tennessee in a nutshell. They don't have time for frills. Uh, and, and they're that way as an audience. And that's why so many great entertainers have come from there. Oh, yeah. uh, because uh, an East Tennessee audience, uh, they, they're they there. They've given you their money. You, you're going to work. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you, if they're going to clap, it means you're going to make them clap. Right. And so oh, it was a like great Texas. education and a great place to learn, uh, to play. So you just get in town and say, go, so i got to find me a place to work and take your guitar and, and get it. Yeah, I went to a bar called Hawkeyes and went in there. And, was like, and he goes, well, I'll give you a... Uh, a Wednesday night or something, one show. Right. So I went up and played for one show, and I think my girlfriend brought some of her friends, and they walked out. And I wasn't writing very good songs, and I was I was oh, writing songs about you're all wrong. You weren't covering or anything. No, 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 no. I had tons of songs, but they were all about mass murderers and <laughs> uh, obnoxious, bo- you know, about bowheads, and it was just it was timely. And it took me a while to learn to try to write timeless. Mm. You know, that's after I heard Roger Miller, that's when I changed my whole perspective. But but he goes, all right. Um, He just gave me every Friday. And so I had posters all over town that says, Scott Miller at Hawkeyes every damn Friday. And (laughs) did that for four and a half years, almost five years. That was my base. And it just built from there. And I would get a certain amount of money. And then if the bar topped a thousand or whatever i'd get a percentage right and it got so much that eventually the like the owner's like man i can't i can't pay you this much i just can't justify right. this i'm like yeah i get it that's cool so, then so what, but i wore myself out doing that um because i was playing there every friday i had a gig in anniston alabama Ooh. Every Wednesday, oh yeah, I slept oh. on the bar floor. I bet. Try, and they try. locked me in the bar. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was like if there was a fire, I would have been dead. <laughs> was I not kind of? Oh, you were young though. I mean, I mean when you were oh, yeah, young, I was. Tw- it, I was in my twenties. Yeah, yeah, I, I could mean, do anything. I mean, that would be just kind of real freaky now at, at, at your you know, age. I could sleep on the floor, and probably eat styrofoam, and, <laughs> and you know, get a bag of donuts the next day and be good. Yeah. yeah. And I had. Uh, where else was I regular? Oh, Lexington, Kentucky. Anyway, I built it up and had a little van and did it, but I wasn't writing good songs. They weren't timeless or they weren't right. trying to be timeless. And I just wore myself into a hole. And so I was like, I got to take a break. So I got a job at a law office uh, as a process server, which was Awful. Yeah, I'm sure that was no it was fun at terrible. all. Terrible, <laughs> particularly in East Tennessee. Oh <laughs> man, yeah, I'm sure that was not. It's fun. like you know, figured out divorces are like high school breakups with bigger toys, <laughs> and the things that these people would do to one another, and and was it was terrible. Um, they, I had to go serve a 12 year old kid. I guess these parents were getting divorced and they were battling over the oh, child. Oh. and I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that. And they're like, you want to work here? I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm doing that. And so I went to the school, and uh, I don't know if this is relevant to anything that we're That's just talking. That's good story. <laughs> oh, stories is, is the whole nature of this. Okay. Anyway, so. we, I went to the school, and I went into, into the principal, and I was like, hey, this is what's going on. i got to serve this kid. Now, we can get a guidance counselor. 
and do it or, you know, you can do it or, you know, uh, or I said, you can tell me he's not here. And he goes, he ain't here. And I said, thank you. And Good I enough. just left. <laughs> <and> left. <laughs> That's great. So I did that for a while. But in that time off, that year off, when I started listening to Roger Miller and... What prompted you to listen to Roger? Did you just um, hear him? Yeah. Um, I had friends that worked at a record store. And because we should go back, because like my musical influences were not deep. It's always they're 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 long. Like what was popular? My parents were so old, and my grandparents like we had an an Edison player. My grandparents yeah. did, and Edison he invented it. Right. But Victrola had the main artist, so all the artists on Edison were mainly novelty songs and stuff like that. But I used to listen to those, and then my dad he played trumpet in big bands, and right. I you know I listened to it, it was whatever popular, but it was through such a jump of generations. Right. You know that the, the music I was exposed to, sure. but it wasn't anything deep. And anyway, so there was a Bear family put out a thing on Roger Miller that was just his heartbreaking songs. wasn't like do whack a do, and you know always yeah. you know you knew everybody knows King of the Road sure. and all that. Um, so I which knew is, that, I knew which is kidding. a wonderful song. Oh my God, I mean, it's, I, it's beyond I, wonderful. I mean, Are you kidding? That I mean, song is like Whoa! that's almost a perfectly written song. <laughs> ah. Yeah. It is so above everything. It, is. it, 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 it just glows. It does. It's like there's, and that's Roger Miller. He's so cosmopolitan and so, you know, the line between humor and heartbreak where he can just walk it yeah. almost as good as Hank Williams could. Yeah. But he he's he's right there. But he it, this was just a sample of. Uh, his, his slow, heartbreak. slow heartbreak songs. You know, husbands and wives. Last song, last oh. word, and lonesome is me. Oh. And I just was like, oh my god. And so then they're like, he's like, my friend Jeff's like, if you like that, check this album out. It was his first album, Dang Me. Yeah, won five Grammys, yeah. full of hits. Yeah, produced by Jerry Kennedy. Yeah, who produced anything he produced. You should True. get. I agree. He's so awesome. And I just wore those albums out. And so it just was like, ah, oh, this it just is how we do it. It's, it's restored me. And I started writing again and, and enjoying playing again. And that's how the V-Roys were born. We were sort of got together over Roger Miller. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Originally, we called ourselves Big Harlan Taylor, which is a <laughs> Roger Miller right. song. And, uh, we just started playing. I just started enjoying it. I just started writing. And in two months, we were signed. And in another three months, we were and, on a tour bus in Europe. And and, and that's how that happened. And it, did, you signed with Steve Earle, right. that, didn't you? Yeah. How did that happen? Are you just here, you guys? Well, there was a guy named Dub Cornette who had lived in Knoxville and who was a mover and a shaker down in Nashville. And I think he's like told Jack Emerson was the other owner of uh the record label E squared, Jack Emerson, Steve Earl. And, uh, he's like, you should check these guys out. And, um, Steve came up to our practice space and hung out one night. Yeah. Time. Yeah. And, uh, that was great. And, um, yeah. And we were the first act signed. Yeah, and- I knew you were the first act, but I thought that was, I, you know, I, I figured he just saw you somewhere. I didn't know he actually came up to yeah, your practice. Yeah. Like- yeah. Yeah. Word of mouth there. Came up and hung out. And then, of course, we signed, went from there to Warner Brothers. Our second yeah, album was a Warner yeah, Brothers record. And then, as we jump. say, Bugs Bunny took his carrot and went home. Because <laughs> 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 they didn't ever do anything with it. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, I mean, 
Uh, that was a pretty good run with the Vroys. It was that's, awesome. Those, those are you kidding? Are, those songs were wonderful. I mean, that, those, you know, that's good stuff. Well, Mick Harrison, who's Mick the other good, yeah. writer in that and who still writes and puts out stuff, I encourage anybody to listen to him. I agree totally. He is, and plus he is one of the – there's only like a few people in your whole life you're going to meet. You could probably count them on one hand who are like Mick Harrison because Mick is – he could be at – the White House at a black tie fair, or he could be over somewhere in the worst part of town on the back porch. <laughs> he would be the same guy. Same guy. And when he left, everybody would be like, oh, hey, man, see you, Mick. <laughs> You're awesome. You know, he, he would walk out of the White House and the Secret Service would be like, Mick Harrison, <laughs> you come back. <laughs> well, you know, your vocal blend, too, was so good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, he's a great singer. It was a great, your vocals together are just, you know, yeah, that, we had that a, also made made the songs were great. Uh, the vocal man, it's the band. It like the band. Yeah, it's that type of vocal uh, mixing with you, you and you and Mick. There was a little lightning in the bottle there. I don't yeah. know how much lightning it was, but uh, it was something special, and and we we enjoyed it, and we knew it at the time, and um, it was it was you know wouldn't change a thing. It's one a wonderful period. Of my life was was spent with those guys, but 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 then you got even more famous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what more famous is, but yeah, I went to Sugar Hill after that, <laughs> and um, made some records for them, and then which I loved. I loved Sugar Hill. I loved. Man, you're not supposed to like your record label. I loved everybody there. I would go down there and hang out with those kids. Kids, well, I was a kid too. Right. You know, we all yeah. just. We loved music and loved hanging out. And um, was the Commonwealth a good bit different than um, the V. Roy's? I wasn't. I'm not a leader of men. I'm a good worker. Yeah, I understand. I, I'm probably not a good band leader. We and I would not do things differently, but I would do things differently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah I do understand you that. Uh, well, I enjoy, enjoyed that time. It was a lot of work. Being in charge of well, everything. To be the, to, to be the front man is yeah. always tough, and for it to be your band. Yeah. But you did do one really the coolest thing. One of the coolest things of any Here we act go. Yeah, it is, <laughs> that I've ever seen anybody do was tour based around Amtrak. Yeah. Go. I Let's talk it about out. it. <laughs> All right. Well, I wrote that song sort of by accident. I was at my friend John, I call him Johnny Rightwing. I was at his house and drunk. And fell and hit the coffee table and broke my nose. And so I had two big black eyes. And I didn't want to go out and have to explain to everybody, no, nobody kicked my ass. I just, whatever. So I was back in my house. I lived in Louisville, Tennessee. It was outside of Knoxville, Blunt County on the lake out there. It was a cinder block house full of spiders. (laughs) And uh, I I just hung out there and wrote songs and had a little fire in the backyard. And um, I was like, I'm going to write a song about traveling. I feel like traveling, and I can't go anywhere. So I wrote Amtrak Crescent. Right. Yeah. and Which I love. It's a great song. I, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's good it's, it's clever. Yeah. I did yeah. some good stuff in well, that. I'm proud of it. Yeah. I put it up and um, put it on that second record that we made for Sugar Hill. And then they called, and we're like, "What? how do you want to promote this record? And I'm like, mm, I, I think that's your your job. I don't, I don't know. And I said, well, there's a song called Amtrak Crescent. Why don't we call Amtrak? See if we can do something. So through a friend of a friend, I got in touch with the the Secretary of Transportation 
No. And who put me in touch with the people at Amtrak. And they were like, they love the idea. It's a great idea. I mean, and, no doubt. Uh, we had a guy, Jerome Trahan, who who sort of was our liaison, who traveled with us, got us on the trains, uh, did everything. The only weird thing about that tour, we did 21 shows, 21 days, 21 cities. It's hard, too. It was rough. We had to get a, a separate van to haul the equipment because when the train stops, you don't have time oh, oh, yeah. to unload because they're trying to, they're right, always they behind. It, they're on their time, yeah. Yeah. And, I didn't even and think so about that. And so when they stop, man, they are kicking you off there. Get, get, because we got to go. Right. So it wouldn't have time to unload. So we had had a guy, two guys in a in a cargo van that had the equipment the while equipment. we rode the train and <laughs> high cotton, you know. <laughs> they were driving to you. 21 days we yeah, driving they were that. We were like, <laughs> hey, you know, we're playing did, cards on the train. Did y'all and play music on the train? We did, did a little recording on there and, and played on the train because back then they still had a dining car and sleeping cars and the smoking car. Yeah. They don't have, you know, I mean, right. they don't have any of that now. That's pretty cool, though. But it's, yeah. it's last did gasp. You docu- did you did you do a documentary of that? We did. We f- we filmed all of it we could. Uh, it's out there somewhere. I don't know whatever happened to it. We we sent it all to Sugar Hill and they put it together. And I remember seeing it. I- I'm sure it's on the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it ain't pretty. I, I had heard. But, I had heard that you did. Yeah. But then I could never find it anywhere. I don't know that I can find and, it and anywhere. You know, it's one of those it's probably like, on a zip disk somewhere. Like, <laughs> I love to see that. I just love to see it. One of my favorite things is um, uh, the big band era. Uh, people traveling on trains mm-hmm. to, to do shows, and. Uh, you know, White Christmas, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So, so it, you know, uh, Cab Calloway has one of my favorite uh, things where he's singing and playing, and they're traveling on the train, and he's dancing around being Cab Calloway. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I tried to find that, and it's like, man, you know, maybe it doesn't I, exist. I, Scott's I, it's coming somewhere. I know. I've seen it. And I think I saw it online somewhere at some point, but I wouldn't know how to find I'd it. Love, I don't know I'd, if I'd I want to look back that. on that period as far as. But what was it fun? Oh yeah, man, we we did it right, and it was epic. Yeah, it I'm was sure epic. it was. I mean, I, uh, it and we had, had some fantastic shows because um, the press was good. Yeah, like you know, we, we were in every newspaper and got Newsweek. Newsweek, yeah. You know, that was a big deal for my parents, see my picture in Newsweek. Where did you start that and where did you end it? We started in New Orleans and ended in New York. And uh, we drank a lot all the way, broke a few guitars. One guitar got broken, um, played a lot of cards. <laughs> uh the van, it was just epic. The it van was, hold up the whole time. The van held up the whole time. That's good. So, um, so and, you, and really, like one of the best shows on there was Charlotte was good. Greenville was epic. Uh, that was still that was the newer um, handlebar. That right. big yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. packed to the gills. Oh, I'm and sure. it was, so, and, uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's one of the cooler things that I uh, we had. Here's the, here's the other thing. New York, we played uh, in Tribeca, and uh, 
because we've been playing cards on the train. We have poker chips, and they used poker chips up there for their drink tips. Oh, really? <laughs> so we were like, oh, we've been playing yeah, cards. no problem, man. <laughs> we're so covered around here. Oh, yeah, that's funny. That's really funny. Oh, yeah, we got this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the last night. It was amazing. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I wish I wish I could find that document, but we did it. And every time somebody, you know, hey, I think uh, somebody did it a few years ago. Oh, I think um, people have. have have tried to do it. Or yeah, it's not part. new. I mean, they did it in the sixties too. Remember with uh, the Grateful Dead, oh, Janis yeah, Joplin, true. and they did that thing. Yeah, but not, but but not one same band. No, I mean, I mean, but it was a great relationship because I did other tours, um, uh, on different trains. I used the trains. Oh, oh you for, did for, other for, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Didn't I yeah. did like on the Cardinal, which runs. Like well, it runs through my hometown of Stanton, but it goes like through Richmond and and down to Atlanta and and stuff. I, I did I did a run on that solo, and I did like two or three solos. I went on solo. Went on the I chief. guess you could carry your stuff there yeah. with you solo. Yeah, it was easy. I just had a sleeper yeah. car, right, and just get off and just do Take it. Your stuff got your backpack and your and your guitar. That's it. Kind of like what you got here yeah, today. Like what I got today. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that had to be fun too by yourself. Yeah, well, comfortable. Yeah, comfortable for sure. You know, I mean. Um, uh, you know, a sleeper car is pretty oh, yeah. nice. And, I mean, drive. And even coach in a train is, it ain't like coaching an airplane, man. No, I mean, yeah. you can stretch out and put your legs out and everything. It's very comfortable. Plus, it's not like driving yourself. I right. Mean, I mean, I'd go a lot more places if I didn't have to drive. See, <laughs> I, I'm argue, arguing with my mother that way. I'm trying to get her to quit driving. Uh, and, of course, it's the last American independence. Well, it kind of is. You know, it's so American. It is totally drive, But I would be like, wouldn't it be nice to have somebody just drive you around? I would love yeah. to never have to drive. To call somebody be like, hey, take me somewhere. I like that, too. That's kind of kind of the advent of Uber. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a beautiful thing. Right. You know, so, it's called, I don't want to drive. Drive me there. Take me there. Yeah. So, so. I, I'm not going to be hard to give up my license when I'm old. Was it, was what, it when you came off that... Okay, 21 days on the train, was that kind of a, I mean, is there a lull or depression or, you know, I mean, is it like, no, oh, I man, missed that? Or no, I, I can't remember. What, I think we hit the ground running okay, right so after that, right man. That was right. 2001 through about 2007. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't home much. I'd be, here's my going home story. You know, I'd be home for a few, gone for a few weeks and home for a week. And, uh. I came home, I was home for a week, and I was married by then, and uh, my wife went, she worked, she went to work in the morning, I got up, you know, whatever, crack of 11 right. o'clock or whatever, making myself some breakfast, and damn toaster wasn't plugged in, you know, <laughs> I was timing everything out, right? and and we're toasting, ah, God damn it, so <laughs> she came home for lunch, and I was like, hey, we got a survey call today. And they asked some questions. She goes, really? She goes, you don't usually have patience with that kind of thing. I was like, well, yeah. I said, they asked which we use more, our can opener or our toaster. <laughs> she goes, oh, well, we use our toaster a lot more. And I'm like, then why was it unplugged? And she goes, when are you going back on the road? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, it's all. So. That was life. So how would you get... How'd you get in the TV business? I saw you on TV. Oh, God, that was terrible. Playing a little box or something, too, wasn't you? I mean, didn't they flash to you a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, Blue Collar TV. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. And Jeff Foxworthy and Larry the Cable Guy and 
uh, Ron White. Yeah, Ron and White. There was a was there a fourth one? Yeah, Bill Ingvall. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time they were the hot guys. You they know? were, and they did a TV show. Um, they filmed it in Atlanta. Uh, I guess they got us through Sugar Hill, and they wanted somebody that could play different stuff. And uh, that was my first foyer into television, and it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> I remember seeing that big flash over you guys. You had that like, it was, little booth or something. You're it in. was gobs of money moving around in television, and it's so much hurry up and wait. And... Um, weird things creative with creative stuff like if we were blocking and doing a thing because you'd work you'd rehearse or work one day you'd film three shows on a Wednesday and you had weird days off and uh, but you we lived in in Atlanta or we lived in Athens Georgia they filmed did a season there too we did two seasons did a pilot and two seasons okay and that usually lasted about a month and and it was great money, but there was just nothing satisfying artistically about it. Well, I mean, I guess you, I, yeah. How did you come up with the material you played there? I mean, well, you had to be careful because, like, even if you were just noodling around soundcheck, they would own it. Oh, ooh, so really? yeah. Oh, you so look- you couldn't really come up with anything new or use that time to rehearse. It's it's a it's a nasty business oh, that television. I, I, I'm sure it is. We used to uh, we have a. I, it's different than TV, but we used to have the B King movie guy here, uh, a guy named Earl Ornsby, had a huge studio here, and he made tons of movies. Wow. And uh, James Cameron learned how to do, uh, you know, the, he, he was here and learned how to do stuff like for the Titanic and all here in Shelby. Uh, the guy was, uh, Earl Ornsby was his name. He had a huge studio and. He kind of set the standard for the North Carolina music and because he used a lot of music in his stuff. Okay. And, and in fact, I did, I played a Hall of Fame induction for him, a North Carolina Music Hall of Fame induction with him and a guy named Danny Flowers on Road okay. Tulsa Time. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Ba- played bass for Don Williams, yeah, right? Yeah, he did. And so, so uh, I was just amused that he would be in the Music Hall of Fame and then they started, you know, putting up all the movie soundtracks that he had assimilated, you know, and it was just like, well, maybe he does deserve to be there. I, I just couldn't figure out how a how a movie maker would be in the music hall yeah. of fame. There's like, well, movie soundtracks, man, when they're I right, mean, they're right. Well, and, you know, I mean, these were, these were, none of these were award winning, but they all made, I think every movie he made Made a profit. Wow. Well, so, see, independent. Yeah, doing it. So, well, that's where that's where we go. Where we're at, two thousand seven. Yeah. Uh, at that point, uh, Sugar Hill was owned by Welk Music, and like Lawrence Welk. Yeah, it was his grandson. Okay. And he was trying to run it like a major label, and that's not what Sugar Hill was about, man. Right. Sugar Hill was about sure low overhead, easy make. You know, leave your artists alone. Steady growth. I mean, they had a few breakout records. I mean, Olden in the Way, like the biggest bluegrass selling record of all time. And then um, Chris Thiele and them, you know, they they had that. But they had a few records that did that. But everybody was just slow and plodding and 
everything made they its were money good back. With that, right. Yeah, it was awesome, uh, and it it wasn't that way all of a sudden, and that was no place. I'd already run through that game when with Warner Brothers. Right. I don't want anything to do with that. Plus, and I'm not a good businessman, obviously because I farm, <laughs> but I could see where record labels were. They're a thing of the past. If you're right. not selling millions, that's true. You're, you're you, you have no need. You right. might as well keep yeah. your money. Yeah, that's what I called it. Not yeah. making more money. You're just keeping your money. Yeah, this is true. Uh, you know, where you're selling back. This is still when people bought CDs. Right. You're you're making just your you know cost of goods is all you're paying, and you're yeah. making the rest of that instead of just a 12, 13, 15 percent on right. a record. So I form my own record label, FAY. Which right. stands for I don't know if I can say it. Yeah, you can say it. Fuck all y'all. Yeah, that works. You can say <laughs> That's it. what it stands for. I'll push it over to adult content. It just doubles the listens. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the name. That's what it stands for. Um, I kind of figured that it did, but it's good to hear it. You know, yeah. I mean, I, well, used to try, I used to sit around and try to figure out what it was. You know, and that's what I came up. I thought. Fuck all y'all. Yeah, it's probably not the truth. It's probably not. It's probably just me thinking that. It's probably. You know, I know it must have something to do with farm. You know, right. so, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's so, really cool. But, uh, but I was inspired by that. There was a songwriter back in the 80s and 70s. He used to be where I got him, Mike Williams. I don't know if you ever heard of him. But he had his own record label called BF Deal. Oh, yeah. And he would, he said it would stand for Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin Deal. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. But, yeah. but those, I, I sort of st- took that idea and started, started F-A-Y. And... Um, you know, the first record did great. Uh, that's then, a good record too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a real good record. Then people, uh, people quit buying CDs. You know, so yeah. that's just how it goes. And I moved home. Yeah. Uh, 2010 is when my dad was. Uh, you know, he was too old to do it. He was he was ready, and so and I and I was ready for a change. I think. I mean, that, I mean I, that's a, you know. You were you were, when you left to go do that, I, you know, you were pretty 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 successful, pretty high along the way, you know. Yeah, and I thought, well, I could do what I do from anywhere, but you can't. You can't. No, that's no. there's a there's a local songwriter who had a lot of big hits, and he thought he could move back to Shelby and still have those big hits and guess what yeah you and gotta then, shock and jive yeah. you gotta be I, I'd see and I lived in Knoxville so in Nashville I called them guerrilla strikes I'd go down and do right. whatever I need to do and then get the hell out yeah because I'm, you know, I'm pretty annoying anyway yeah I know a guy that does that right yeah. now goes there writes for you know a couple of days and then comes back he plays in the oh, uh, you might know do you know Charlie Humphreys no I know that name Charlie played with uh, Steve Canyon Ranger, Steve Martin. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. But then he got his Grammy, and he decided, uh, I don't know if I can tell this story. Yeah, we'll forget that story. Okay, you tell so, me but, later. But he has, his own, <laughs> he has his own band now. But he goes to he goes to Nashville about once a month mm-hmm. and writes with people and then gets out. Make and, a loop around town, make sure everybody sees you, and then get much. out. Yeah, and, that's what I and do. And he lives in Nashville now, so yeah, runs his band out in Nashville, so... Well, that, and and I was also taking care of two elderly parents, which yeah. was a full time job, oh, I'm sure. and I knew what I was getting into with that. And uh, as far as I was concerned, I mean, it was it's, it's what you do. 
It's what we did with our grandparents. Well, you mean, know, they I, moved in with us or we took care of them. It's just it's, it's just it's what a, you do. It's, it's a not a righteous and justifiable thing to do, even though it came at, at really the height of, yeah. of your career, which which I have a ton of respect for, you know, but I, that's a ballsy move. I mean, I, it was just not even a, a second thought really? for me. It wasn't like a, a that I, it was a conscious thing. It was like, this is what this, this is, is what, what this you is do. This is what needs to be done. Yeah. This is what I'm this going is to what do. I do. So, and it, it was, you know, two years into moving back, uh, my dad had a stroke. And so then it was really full-time care right. for for a number of years. Yeah. It, it was a lot of work. Well, it kind of, kind of disappeared. Yeah. I, I tried to do a few shows. Right. Um, but, and it was frustrating, I think, for my agents and, you know, my manager didn't, right. I'd lost my manager with that. Like, you know, you're not working enough. It's like, right. what do you want me to do? I got, yeah. this is what you Anyway, it, it was tough. And I tell you, and, and my dad passed away into April, 1st of May, this past year. And I think anybody who's done long-term care knows this, and I have had experience with it before, too. It's almost like uh, post-traumatic stress oh, when yeah, it ends. It uh, because you're on for 24 hours, you know, taking care, right. and especially the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my parents got were separated 65 years of marriage, and she was upstairs in an apartment, and he we had to move him to skilled care. And he was downstairs, and they couldn't see each other. Yeah, I and I was t- doing everything I could besides kidnap the, the CEO of this place's pets right. to say, you are going to get these people together, man. This guy does not have that much longer. Right. This is this is crazy. Uh, and we finally did, did the last it? few months. Yeah, the yeah, last few good. months. That's and, good. But he was ready. Um we were ready. He was ready. I, I think he would call it a good death. He was that's ninety-two, good, yeah. and and he's like, I'm done. I mean, that's a full life. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's, he did a, he did a tremendous amount. I could brag on him and tell you everything he did with it. Yeah. It, it, it's like wow. Well, I mean, I mean, ninety-two and live a full life. That's you know what, yeah. what can you? Add? I I should be so lucky. Right? Yeah. I don't know if I want to live that long. Yeah, to tell well, you the truth. Really like <laughs> I mean, we had a discussion about that today, actually. So. Um, I do understand. But, yeah, I always think I should write a book on elderly care now because it's all this knowledge you get by doing it. And then when you're done, of course, my mom's still alive, yeah, but yeah. she's she's in fairly good health and, and at a facility. And I don't have to worry about her day to day and make sure she eats and stuff like that. Yeah, that's good. Um, but, you know, that took I really didn't think my dad would when we moved up there, I thought maybe five years. Uh, and he would, <laughs> you know, I would go get him every day. Uh, out of his chair, we go and get. We have a little John Deere Gator that he could get in because they're right. low, and he could get in that. And he would drive, and every day we'd ride, check ride the farm. Up, yeah, and uh, one day we were riding. <laughs> I mean, he could be annoying, and uh, he was like, you know, I saw all the news, and you lose your sense of taste and smell. You don't live more than five years. Uh, I don't know where he <laughs> saw that, and I was like. And I was like, took that. I was like, I'm not going to be that lucky. You know, it was 10 years so that before he passed away. That we, Has it been 10 years since you well, no, no, Yeah, since I, we moved up. Moved up in 10, 2010. Wow. And um, so I didn't expect it to be. It was hard. It's been hard on everybody. It was harder and, than what you thought it was going to be. Yeah, Longer. Longer. You know, I'd had some experience with this before we took care of my wife's parents. Uh, Like I say, my grandmother moved in with us. I mean, I've seen it done. It's what, and I'm the youngest, and it's sort of like that's what that's what you do. You know, yeah. And so that was my that was my job. 
I tell everybody, yeah, I adopted two kids. They're just wonderful. <laughs> one's 86, one's 88. They're uh, precious. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's, that's funny. So, And I'm sort of just coming out of that in the pandemic. I wrote a little bit during the pandemic. Um, not is, much. Is it hard for you to write? I guess, I guess now you can again. Probably, probably. With I think all I'm going to be back right into it. I've been um, Robin and Linda Williams. Are you familiar yeah, with them? Well, they're they're neighbors, they, friends, oh, really? and neighbors. Yeah, they live in Stanton. Really? They lived in Middlebrook. Some fine singers. Oh, they can sing <laughs> they, the phone book. They can. I and agree. Um, you know, Linda's she's the artist, and and Robin is the smartest. <laughs> and then it's just that's how they roll. So we co-wrote a lot. They got a new record out has some songs that we wrote together and one of my songs on it um, called Better Day of Coming. It's awesome. Uh, they made it, they made it in Stanton. So I, I was, I'm, I'm back in the groove a little bit. Can you, can you record out of Stanton or you have to? I don't know. You know? I haven't decided. My old bass player, Park Chisholm, moved up from Nashville to Lynchburg, Virginia, and he's got a studio and I always yeah. thought it'd be easy to go down there. Probably be a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, um, and you can I, do that more these days. I mean, I mean, a lot of records are made. I way. sort of miss the old ways. Well, the old ways were fun because yeah. it's a big, huge studio. And yeah. It's, you know, I mean, as opposed to uh, somebody's living room yeah, and it, it can is. sound just as good. Yeah. Yeah. But but you, but it's it's not the same as a studio. I mean, it has no. the whole. Uh, I, I, you know, the times with the V-Roys in the studio and even. Uh, we self-produced uh, one of our records, but we, we did it in the studio. Yeah, studio though, and then yeah. I made that record with Jim Dickinson in right. Memphis. Yeah. was uh, It was a weird time, but it was good. How's was Jim it? to work with? He was awesome. Really? Um, I really, you know, we tried to get him to produce for the V-Roys because he did all that replacements. Right. And uh, we were like, "This that's the guy. He probably and, would have um, been good for that. I mean, really. Oh, he would probably would have been awesome. Yeah, he probably would have. Um, but Steve was never going to let that happen. Well, he was going to produce yeah. it all. Yeah. But, and that's fine because they, they sound good. Oh, they're good. Those I mean, records there's not, sound there's good. not a thing wrong with them. Not complaining. Yeah, I agree. But um, I sort of went down there thinking, oh, I'm going to have to do a battle with this rock and roll guy and we'll see what comes out. Well, he's old folky. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I never thought that. Yeah, yeah, man. And, and so it was awesome. It was awesome. He was wonderful, told wonderful stories, and but we worked. I mean, I don't like, in Nashville, I don't like sitting around and hearing stories, whatever. I like to work. Yeah. Time is Get money. And let's, yeah, yeah money. I like to work. I'm Scotch-Irish. Yeah. And also, I know, I realize when I go in that I'm going to screw up several times, so yeah, yeah I need to work, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, and working. you want somebody you're comfortable with. You know, you got to be able to be like, be able to stretch yourself out and make mistakes and sure. be like, hey, that's stupid. Don't do that or try that. You yeah. Know, where that, that relationship is, is hard. And I think going in a studio is hard because it's a neutral space and you got to make it your own. That's hard. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's like first world bitching right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, I agree. But anyway, I got to get enough songs to do next record. I've got a few new songs um, that I've enjoyed playing in this run and um, tweak on them and work on them. And I think this winter I'll do a lot of writing. Yeah, that'll be good. Well, I mean, you should have a wealth to draw from after this time. Yeah. Yeah, I've got some, I got my notebooks and good ideas and it's just a matter of sitting down and doing it. Yeah. And, and yeah, using, using the eraser end of your pencil sure. more than the pointy end of your pencil. Wow, I understand. 
Yeah, that's and nothing how it like is. editing. No, and rewriting is the best. Editing and, and, and there's and just rewriting. no substitute for the time of, of going through it, you know, and playing it by yourself a hundred times. Oh yeah, until you're like, nah, you that, annoy everybody around you. Yeah, yeah, until you know, like that, that that's not that doesn't that's not right. So, I, I, and that's where we're at today. I actually just take it to him when I uh, uh, I write it. And then uh, he tells me, oh, oh, no, this is wrong. You need to. See, that's what I love about Mick Harrison. You know. Uh, we'll still call each other and, and trade stuff, and, and, and we both sort of have the same ethics and stuff about songs yeah, I, and, and, and trust each other. Well, I, I take it to Chris because that word doesn't work. or Your phrasing there does not work at all. You yeah. Know? Yeah, you're Mick can be like, hey. You know, it's like, oh, I thought it was pretty good. Oh, you need to work on it. <coughs> Excuse me, yeah. And I trust him, so, I mean. Not, it's I trust, know, man, yeah. and I don't co-write a lot. Yeah. Uh, with Robin and Linda, is a whole different thing. Um, co-writing with him is different than I with me. I mean, Mick. I guess they came to you, right? Or are y'all just hanging out? I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know them and knew them, and I had a, a song that ended up on um, – the last record, I guess, called 10 Miles Down the Nine Mile Road. And I sort of, we just sort of use that as a test. Right. You know, where yeah. I was like, where, where should this go? Right. And, we, and we just, we sat around, knocked around on it and, and did it. They have a different, you know, I like to write with what I call declarative images. I don't like to make statements. I like, I like to say something that brings that emotion out. And they're more... Straight that, ahead. Straight yeah. ahead. And, and and Linda is no nonsense, and she's <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, she's she's like, I'm telling you, she's the artist, he's the smartest, and that's how they, that's how they are. Uh, they're wonderful singers, I can tell and you. And they're that. great people. I mean, it's, oh, that's it's just great. wonderful. That's good. I always love it when I hear the end of, uh, they're really great people. Yeah, 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 because there's some people that yeah, are. Yeah, 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 they are. <laughs> And those are, you know, I mean, there's more of them, actually. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, so that's good. I mean, that's a good thing. So what have we missed here today? I don't know. I think we brought it right up to the present. I think we have. I, that put, was my life story. What? My story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a really fun story. Navin, this is Navin Johnson signing off. <laughs> well, and you I, got Steve Martin in there twice. Yeah, so... Maybe three times. Maybe. Probably he's, see, you know, Steve Martin is is just, I memorized all those records. Of course, you know, that was right about 77. Sure. And those, when, they, when he was at his peak there yeah. and everybody, you know, I had those albums. Yeah. Uh, and that was one of the things with the V-Roys has brought us together with Steve Martin and, and Roger Miller. Our, well, our love of those two. Those are great, great people. I mean, you know, yeah. great artist. Great artist. Um, yeah, really great artist. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, it so. broke my heart. You know, I read his "Born Standing Up," uh, and it just breaks your heart to see like he was at his peak and he was at his worst. You know, the, and I get but, it. But yeah, I totally I mean, get I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, ha happiness is not very conducive to writing good material a lot right. of times. I mean, well, I, mean, I think sometimes people do it to. Uh, I think some people. Tell you they make problems for themselves <laughs> just so they have something to write about. No, I think you get enough drama in your teenage years, you can you can pretty much finish anything yeah, we'll out. Yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's I a good think one. you got plenty of angst. So, so we're so you're playing tonight. 
Tonight, where am I? Charlotte. Yeah. Neighborhood Theater there with David Childers, yeah. who's one of my favorite, speaking of true artists <laughs> yeah, true in artist. different mediums. Yes. And uh, that guy is just, uh, there's an, a guy in uh, Knoxville, R.B. Morris, yeah. who's uh, David. When I first met David, I, he reminded me so much of R.B. They because they are, similar, are, they? they are artists they are. in everything they do. Yeah. In their work and their and just different, you know, poetry or painting or anything. Yeah. It's just they he he lives and breathes it. He and does, it's, and it's real. He's uh, he's, um, and he's done it for a long time yeah. now. David's getting up. And actually, I can't say that we're the same age. So yeah. I guess you know. <laughs> yeah. he's getting I ain't old. young anymore he's either. Getting, so. He's getting old. So. I, I can't fall down. And just jump back up anymore. Well, you can tell, you can tell him. I, I said this. Sometimes David will be sitting there looking like an old man, and then he'll step on stage. And you go, "Oh Jesus!" You know. I mean, he can take the. Yeah. You know, and then once he hits the stage, he's wide open. Yeah. So, no, he's amazing. So I'm looking forward to that. Tonight. Yeah, that should be fun. Well, is there anything else I need to know? I don't think so. This has been wonderful. I, I uh, really appreciate you taking no, the time. No, thank you for this. having me. It's great to you be know, here. This is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.
people live life from the heart. Some people find that much too hard. Some people know where they belong. Some people decide to move on. Mother's headed to Kentucky for a while. Ashes gray and dry as dust. A return to the earth someday and sometime. 